Ready? Born ready. Welcome, welcome to another episode, episode of Cool and Conscious. Of course, I am your host, Cree, um, at Questions with Cree on social media. Um, and make sure you follow the Black-owned, Black-run company at Just Eldridge Media, where everything is Black. Now, today we have a very, very special guest. Um, I mentioned to Eldridge and Keith, shout out to them, that I wanted to start speaking or getting in touch with people who have actually been a part of the movement. Um, because so often, just being in the movement or the movement of today, we don't really get a chance to converse with people that have come before us. And I, I let them know, like, okay, this is something that I'm, I really want to do. I want to talk to people that actually know, you know, what they're doing and they've lived through it. Um, so we have a very special guest. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you so much for giving us your time, your energy. Um, I can't wait for you guys to listen in today because it's it's going to be pretty exciting. My name is, uh, formerly name was Willie Ricks. And I was in an organization called SNCC the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And it was a youth group that fought side by side or in front of Dr. Martin Luther King. And when I was in Africa, I changed my name from Willie Ricks to Mukasa Dada. And uh, at that point, I uh, began to learn about Pan-Africanism and the African Revolution and the importance of Africa and the importance of African history. Yes, yes, thank you so much, Mr. Dada. Can I call you Mr. Dada? Or do you want the entire Mukasa? Mukasa is fine. Okay, Mr. Mukasa. So every single episode, we um, ask our guests, along with myself, how are they feeling? So I'm going to go first and I'm going to get a drum roll going and I'm going to let the audience know how I'm feeling and then it's going to be your turn. Or actually, you're our guest today. You can go first. So you're going to hear a drum roll and you let the audience know whether you're feeling cool or you're feeling conscious okay drum roll please i am feeling conscious conscious all right all right all right thank you so much so let me get a drum roll so i can tell everybody how i'm feeling today I'm going to follow Mukasa's lead and feel conscious. I definitely feel conscious today. Definitely, definitely. Um, so back to you, Mukasa. Just with the whole name change, um, because when I was doing research, I did see your initial name and I made it a point to store that question in my mind. How does one find the courage to change their name 
find the reasoning to in doing so and then find the name like how did you say oh Mukasa Dada that's my new name and do people still call you your old name like do you get offended like how does that new name work I um once I began to be conscious I realized that I and my ancestors came from Africa and as I realized I came from Africa uh, we began to learn that we had our own history, mm-hmm. had our own names, mm-hmm. have our own culture, and that uh, we were raped and robbed and stole from Africa and put in slavery. And the white man that bought us mm-hmm. off the slave ship, Jesus was the, the one of the name of the first slave ship, good slave ship Jesus, uh, wherever they would, whoever would buy us, we would have their name. Mm-hmm. And a white man named Ricks bought my great 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 granddaddy, and uh, our family became Ricks. And uh, once I realized that that was not my name, I'm not a European. I'm not uh, uh, have a white shouldn't have a white man's name. So when I was in Uganda in 1972, uh, I was the guest of President Idi Amin in Uganda. And that uh, they gave me the name Mukasadada. Hmm. And to have an African name is very easy. All you have to do is say, I want an African name and look up an African name. And now it's easy. You can ask your telephone to find African names. <laughs> uh, but it's really easy. But you have to have the conscience and the realization to say these are not our names. And we shouldn't have the white man's name. All of that's part of slavery. Mm. Okay, so what does Mukasa mean? Mukasa is a common name in Uganda from the Bugandan tribe. In Africa, we had different nations that we called tribes, and all the different tribes had great knowledge and 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 skills and culture and history, and many did many great things that the world is wondering about today, and that. Uh, I was in Uganda among the Bugandan people, and that uh, I uh, went to speak at a school one day, and uh, I talked about Africa and African unity, and somebody uh, jumped up at the audience, a little boy jumped up and said, what's your name? Aww. I said, my name is Willie Ricks. And he, and he said, that's Willie Ricks ain't no African name. <laughs> and he said, your name is Mukasa. And the whole audience started saying, Mukasa, Mukasa, oh Mukasa. Wow. And that evening I had a meeting with the military in Uganda and the president of Uganda. And they heard about that. And the president officially gave me the name Mukasa wow. Dada. All the, everybody <laughs> in Uganda started calling me Mukasa. And the president gave me his last name, Dada. Dada. Yes, the Idi Amin Dada, who's <laughs> a great, great leader. And Idi Amin is the president that's in Africa, uh, Uganda, that when he became president, he took his arm and took his guns and put them on all the white people and put them out the country, took over their banks, all the factories, industry, the housing, everything, and say, you came to Africa with nothing, you will leave with nothing. He put them on airplanes and sent them back to Europe, and he said, Africa is for the Africans. Africa for the Africans. Wow. Oh, 
And so you saw him do that? Or that was just like a story that was like passed no, down? No, he was doing it when I was there. Wow. I went there to join his army to help him do it. <laughs> okay, so if you were a part of the SCNC. SNCC. SNCC. In my mind, you are pro nonviolence, right? But you went to Uganda to evoke, you know, um, force. Revolution. <laughs> right. Uh, so, well, early on, I was uh, nonviolent and and we uh, sit in, uh, refused mm-hmm. to go in the back door, sit on the front of the bus, mm-hmm. uh, went into places where it said white only. Um, and they had us under terrorism. And we broke those rules, broke those laws. John Lewis, Snick, Martin King, all of us, we broke those laws. They beat us. They bombed us. They put bombs in our churches. They assassinated many of our friends like Mega Evans, Cheney, Swanee, Goodman, Mr. Damon, and I could name a dozen others mm-hmm. that they killed, murdered, uh, put bombs in churches and blew up, blew us up like they did to three little kids in mm-hmm. Birmingham. They would shoot us down on the college campuses like they did to children in South Carolina State, the Orangeburg Massacre, or like they did to kids at Jackson State, mm-hmm. and uh, for going in the front doors uh, and and uh, what have you. And they murdered us, and we were under apartheid. We was under slavery right here in the United States. We had to walk. Uh, in a way, we just couldn't do what white people do. We had right. to work schools. They didn't pave our community, work streets. Uh, and we were living in slavery. And so Rose Park sit down on the bus, and that forced Dr. Martin Luther King to stand up. They appointed him to be the leader, and that made all the everybody stand up. And we stood up. We went out and fought. And we say we would use nonviolence, but they used violence against us. And sometimes some people say, well, no matter how they beat me, I'm going to be nonviolence. But, and that's what Dr. King and those said. And, but the young people that was in SNCC said, uh, we might let you hit us. We might let you spit on us. Uh, when the camera's on us, but when the camera's turn off, we'll beat the hell out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come in our neighborhood shooting, uh, we shooting back. Mm-hmm. And when you when you meet us on the street and try to fight us, we fighting back. And so this is the attitude that Snick had. We saw nonviolent as a tactic that we would use just for the demonstration. And where some people were caught up saying they wanted to be nonviolent the rest of their life and always have nonviolent, don't care what they do to them, beat them, kick them, murder them, they would be nonviolent. We didn't go for that. But anyway, we were nonviolent, and nonviolent was a weapon. All those kids were were great people, and they faced dogs and bombs and jails and billy sticks, and they faced everything violent that white folks had uh, coming toward us, bombs in churches, and we took it all. But uh, at some point, we uh, when they bombed the church in Birmingham and killed those four little children and shot a couple of other children that day, we said uh, we weren't going to take it. Many attitudes changed, hmm. and when the attitudes changed, uh, Shortly after then, uh, many other things happened, but shortly after then, um, we started the Black Panther Party in Lowndes County, Alabama. And when we went over there to try to register people to vote, they were killing people. They killed Viola Luzo, they killed Jonathan Daniel, and others. And that uh, and had black people in terror, in terror, terrorism. And we went over there and we fought and 
And uh, they put black people off the land because they tried to register to vote, and they had to live in tents, whole families, and whatever. They come shoot in the tents, so we had no choice but to shoot back. Right. And these were Democrats shooting at us, and what have you, Democratic crackers, all of them insane. <laughs> uh, and and they were all shooting at us, and we started shooting back. And uh, the Democratic and Republican Party was shooting at us. They were together. And so what we did, we formed our own party called the Lowndes County Freedom Organization. And we had a symbol of the Black Panther. And that's when how the Black Panther Party got started. And it started in Alabama. And once we were seen in Alabama with guns fighting back, the uh, people in the North called and young men in the North called and said, we want to be Black Panthers too. So we helped them start <laughs> the Black Panthers for self-defense. And they went out with guns. And when they right. tried to beat people like they beat Rodney King, they would show up with guns and said, police, you ain't going to beat nobody. You ain't going to kill nobody. So essentially they were the reinforcement. Like the the Black Panther was reinforcements, yes. Okay, so this is kind of going a little backwards to what you said earlier, just regarding being nonviolent. So you know, just in society, put people feel or white people in particular just feel like black people. We don't feel that we can. We have a high tolerance of pain that. We don't necessarily have emotions. We don't, if you hurt us, if you kick us, if you hurt us, if you do whatever you do, we don't feel it like regular because they don't see us as people. Do you feel like the tactic of being nonviolent proved that case to be right? Because if we continuously are going up against guns and going up against dogs and in these gruesome situations and not fighting back and showing that we are strong, it's kind of like proving them right, right? No, not at all. Uh, what we did, we had guns, bombs. We went up against all that, which we ain't scared of none of that bullshit. We ain't scared of your dogs. We ain't scared of your guns. We ain't scared of your jails. We ain't scared of your bombs. We're coming up against it. And so these courageous young people went up against it. And when they went up against it, they, they, they were met with violence. And at a certain point, we said, we ain't moving no further. We formed the Black Panther Party and got guns and started fighting back. And and at some point, uh, when they killed Martin Luther King, we burnt down all the cities in this country. Hundreds or even thousands of black people were pre put in jail. Uh, thousands were shot. Hundreds or even thousands were killed uh, during the rebellion time. We were burning down every city uh, in this country. We had them on fire. And we was out there fighting with guns. We helped the Vietnamese when they were fighting the war in Vietnam. We helped the Vietnamese whoop the United States. So do you feel like that got something done? Of course it got something done. Changed our attitude, changed our conscience, changed our uh, 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 history. We began to learn about our history. We began to learn about Africa, learn that we were not niggers, we were not Negroes, we were not blacks, we Africans. And we come from Africa, and we'll never be free until we take Africa back. And they had not told us anything about Africa, but we learned that Africa was the greatest nation in the world, the richest nation in the world, full of diamonds, gold, oil, rubber, zinc, tea, copper, pearl, cobalt, manganese, every fruit in the world. It's 12 million square miles of land, the richest land 
been in the world and belonged to us. And we were the smartest people in the world. We started mathematics, science, chemistry, engineering, biochemistry, physics, philosophy, music, medicine, art, and millions of other disciplines that we had. Uh, we did astronomy, astrology. We laid right. the universe out. And when the white man was still in the caves in Europe. Right. So they hid who we were and and uh, many people still don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. And that uh, by us began to teach that and let our children, let our people know it, it has changed their attitude. And now we all sit and talk about blackness and revolution and conscience and trying to figure out where do we go from here. But even with talking and, and taking like violent acts against white people and, and eye for an eyeing and doing that, what actually changed? Like, uh, not just within our community. I'm mm -hmm. saying, what changed in the overall community? It changed in the world. We began to, uh, liberation movements began to fight. One time, the white people were over everything. Everything all over Africa. White people was the president. White people was the governor. White people were everything. We didn't do nothing but walk around with a mop, mopping bucket in our hand. We had to go in the back doors and all that. And we made them break them laws down and say, hell no, we're not going to do it. And we opened the door where they could. people began to ride on front of the bus and drive the bus and work in these companies, live in these neighborhoods and whatever. And those kinds of things we made change. We made it where black people could vote, run for office, all that. And that's uh, somewhat of a change. We joined in with our people in Africa when they were under apartheid, under the white man rule. We helped them get guns. We fought with them with guns. And, and uh, when they had armies and they whooped, the white armies all over Africa, and they ran the white man out of Africa. We ran first. We ran them out of Haiti in the Haitian Revolution in 1804. They were all black people enslaved. The white man had bought in colonialism, uh, racism, uh, uh, and took our land and, and dominated us. And they stood on our land with all our diamonds and gold and richness. And the people in Haiti, and we were slaves everywhere. And people in Haiti picked up guns, and they fought the Haitian Revolution and had a great leader down there, Desiline, Bookman, mm -hmm. Toussaint. And they fought the Great Revolution down there, and they whooped the French. And they whooped them with guns, and they took their land. And for over 115 years, Haiti stood as a free nation. And they told all the other black people in the world, if you make it to Haiti on this property, you will be free. And that go and fight for your freedom. Even told the Indians, the native people in South and Central America, gave them guns and trained them and sent them to different countries where the whites was mm. dominating them and said, go free your land. And when you free it, all we ask you to do is to free the African, the black people that's on your land. And that fight is still going on even though we started at that point in 1804. And that uh, then... Uh, in the late 60s, we began to talk about uh, um, the movement began to get started. We had a great movement here, but this movement was in South, Central America, Caribbeans, and all over Africa. The black man began to pick up guns and demand independence and freedom, and we gained that independence. But even though we got black presidents all over Africa, probably got 56 presidents, and then we got another 40, 50 down throughout the islands, Caribbean and Jamaica, and all down through there, we got another 50, 60, 100 
uh, black presidents down there. But, and then we got black males and politicians mm-hmm. right here in Georgia. But the only problem is the white folks tricked us, even when they let Mandela out of jail in, in South Africa. You got a black president. But the white man tricked us. They kept the diamonds, the gold, mm-hmm. the oil, the silver, and all the money. So even though you got a black president, your people are still, still just as nothing. poor right. and hungry and starving, and the white man still rich. So now we got to go back and take over the economics of Africa and take over the economics of even Atlanta. Like, for an example, all they hear, I hear the mayor or the new mayor, the guy, or the rest of them, talk about we're going to get more police for Atlanta. We're going to get more police for Jawland. We're going to get more police for the black community. And when they talk about Buckhead, they're talking about getting more buildings, more money, more factories, more industries, more hotels and mm-hmm. and and money. So they've spent the money on one side of town and oppress us with and hold us down with guns mm-hmm. through the police departments. Through our black leadership. And the black <laughs> leadership. So they end up with nothing but puppets working for the ones in Buckhead. And they do nothing but talk and they ain't got power to change nothing. So that's what we call neo-colonialism. Like you got black faces, but all the economics is still in the hands of the white man. Mm. And that's what we say that we will never be free until we take Africa back. We need Africa. We need our land. We need those diamonds and gold and oil and silver and copper and pearl and cobalt. Everything is in Africa. But what is it? What is it worth taking it back in Africa, right? If you have people here in Atlanta, just mm-hmm. going to use Atlanta for an example, and everyone is on a different level. So back in your time growing up, um, and you were experiencing these things, for the most part, m- black people were all on the same level, right? No, yeah, there wasn't had different little levels. Everyone yeah, but, had but different basically. levels, but it wasn't significant. Yeah. Oh, this black person is a no, billionaire. Right. This black person is poor. It was okay. We're middle class. We're kind of poor. It's based that way now. It Except was, you got a few politicians in Atlanta. They let a few people work for these companies in Atlanta. You got black faces here and there. Yes, but we don't right. own. We don't own nothing. Right. So I'm saying with that, not owning anything, I feel like was much more. Um known back then yes and so being that so many people are now blinded by the different distractions and blinded by the positions that they hold how can okay us taking back the economics in africa mm-hmm. how can that help what people are going through right here That's in atlanta a very, very good question uh well if you look at the chinese revolution the Chinese just fought and ran the white man out of China and took over China. And now China is one of the most powerful military nations in the world. They print their own money. They're one of the richest nations in the world. And they got one of the largest armies. And that uh, now China is not only taking the land back in, in China, they've built millions of different factories and industries, and all of them ran by Chinese. They got their own banks and everything, and they don't need the white man for nothing or need America for nothing. And that now China is so strong wherever Chinese is in the world, the Chinese government can help them and look after them uh and uh, economically, politically, historically, socially. Mm. And China said nobody in the world mess with a Chinese no matter where they are. Mm. 
Hmm. And that China is just that powerful. And that's where these white folks have tried to be a long time. Like anywhere in the world, you fight a white man, all of them join in and mm-hmm. fight to come to kill you. And just like what they're doing in Russia today, they're using that Ukraine uh, uh, mm-hmm. president uh, who's a Nazi crook. And they're using him to America, United States, bringing guns and bombs and billions of dollars worth of weapons on his border to attack Russia. And that's why Russia had to beat Ukraine back. And all the weapons that the Ukraine people are fighting against Russia with came from the United States. And the United States got soldiers and armies over there. They're the ones that's making that war. And Putin, uh, President Putin, he was the one to come to Africa and trained our African troops and gave us guns and bombs and uniforms and billions of dollars helping South Africa and all the countries that these white people, Europe, France, Britain, Germany, United States, Israel, and all these white colonies in in, in different parts of the world, uh, Russia give us guns. Russia is a socialist nation, and Russia is the one that helped all the poor people that you were talking about mm-hmm. in the world get guns and knowledge and information and learn how to fight. So I'm saying that what we have to do is to take Africa back, and we'll be on the we'll be the richest people in the world, and we have to stop depending on. The United States have stopped relating to the United States, Democrat, Republicans, all of them ain't nothing but some racist crackers that don't give a damn about <laughs> none of us. Right. And that uh, we need to start depending on ourselves. So that's why we say Africa is the basis of our liberation and freedom. We have to free ourselves. So what would you say? Um, yes, that did. That wasn't a round of applause. That was a round of applause. Um with the most recent um, racial um, promote, what's the word? Um, racial, whatever. The white guy in Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. How would you handle that? Um, because me personally, I. I don't. I don't want to say I don't believe in nonviolence. Um, I don't believe in no nonviolence. But I, I, I feel like with all the people that are risking their lives for like gang violence and risking their lives to shoot somebody because they slept with their baby mama, or with all the people that are really ready to risk their lives, mm-hmm. I feel like somebody should be willing to risk their lives to go and do what needs to be done. Well, we need a revolution, and that. Um this white boy is insignificant, the one that did the shooting up in uh, Buffalo. He's mm-hmm. insignificant. The United States government is the guilty party. They're the ones that have taught white people and taught the world to kill, murder, exploit us, rob To us, risk it all. Uh, to uh, do, uh, do anything to us they want right. to do and want nothing to be done about it. They bring crooks and gangsters to this country, put them in stores and, 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 and uh, gas stations and small businesses. They do nothing but rip us off economically and what have you, and they hate us. And they have no love for us. The white man in America has no love for us, and they don't talk their people to hate us, to kill us, to murder us, and it would be all right. And this is what's going on. So we don't blame that little white boy. We blame the United States government, Democrat, Republican, the whole damn government, and that we need to burn it down. We need revolution. We need to get it. So what is that? Like, what, what is, is the definition of a revolution? Because I know, but I'm saying I feel no like problem. our revolution, what 
the people in this movement are doing, it, it's not revolutionary. Well, we, we you learned, know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's why we're trying to show people and get people to listen and check out people like Marcus Garvey, check out people like Malcolm X, check out people like Fidel Castro and and uh, um, the Venezuelan Revolution, check out uh, uh, the Chinese Revolution. Otherwise, revolutions are fought over land. And the question is, what land are we fighting for? Mm. We're fighting for Africa. And we until we take Africa back, all over the world, black people will be starving, hungry, and poor. But once we have a land and have our own country, then we can build us an army. Then we have some sort of social capital within the world. We have we have our own money. That's why they killed Muammar Gaddafi, because Gaddafi told America, your money is no good, it's nothing but paper, and that they were building money bagged by pure gold. And they were building African banks, black banks, African banks, and telling all the African nations, since we got all the natural resources in the world, Coton, what they use for all the electronics, where you can text just electronics, mm-hmm. and it don't shock you in cars, airplanes, rocket missiles, in your house, or wherever it might be. Coton is, is the basis of electronics, cell phones, everything. Mm-hmm. And that mineral is found in the Congo. And the Congo mm-hmm. is one of the richest it's the richest nation in the world, but you got thousands of white companies, thousands from the United States and different parts of Europe uh, over there digging. They did industrial companies digging, looking for gold, coton, and what have mm-hmm. you, and they don't give the people nothing for it. And the people where the richest land in the world are the are poorest, poor. poorest people in the world, never had a clean drop of water, never had a toilet. Never ha- don't have lights, gas, water, food, medicine. Never seen a doctor. Never had an aspirin. Uh, women never have seen a sanitary napkin. Uh, many of them never slept on a bed. Uh, so then, how come the president can't do what the Ugandan president did? Because uh, what they did, they had a great leader uh, in the Congo. His name was Lumumba, Patrice Lumumba, and he was uh, getting ready to do that. And he was the prime minister, uh, this like president. And uh, they got together and even used some Uncle Tom's to help do it. And they assassinated Lumumba, United States CIA, the same ones killed Dr. King, Malcolm, same ones that murdered Muammar Gaddafi and dropped the bombs in Libya, same ones dropped the bombs in Iraq and killed all them people, same ones that killed the people in Vietnam and the same ones that warmong around the world and assassinate people because they want to be free. And when the Congo gained this liberation of freedom, uh, had this revolution, they had a prime minister named Patrice Lumumba and the United States CIA, the United Nations, they went there and they captured Lumumba and they tortured him, they killed him, and then they put his body in acid to uh, uh, get rid of him. And then they put an Uncle Tom in power named Mobutu Sisi Sekou, and he uh, uh, sit in the chair and he and allowed or 
to bring mm-hmm. in millions of different white companies all over the Congo, and they took everything out the Congo and got rich, 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 and left the people in the Congo, the poorest people in the world, and they created all kind of little armies that go up and just kill and assassinate people. They got armies and sent them out to do nothing but rape women and all kinds of stuff. Just cause just terror. Ca- cause terror and to keep the people off balance, keep them weak and confused. So the Congo... It's one of the most confused, weak countries in the world, and it's being raped by the United States and all these multinational cooperations, which we call imperialists. And that uh, there are many brothers and sisters throughout Africa forming revolutionary movements, and they're fighting, and some fighting on big levels and some fighting on very small levels. And when they killed and murdered Muammar Gaddafi, who had billions of dollars in Libya, is probably one of the richest nations in the world, uh, and that um, Obama and Hillary Clinton and went there, and with the United States government, Democratic Party, United States government, they went there and dropped bombs on the country and killed uh, the president, uh, Muammar Gaddafi, and then they brought in the oil companies from here and gave mm. them all the oil in Libya. In Libya. And now the people in Libya are the poorest people in the world, and they destroyed the country and probably killed a million people. And the United States dropped so many bombs over there that people were running with their babies and children in their arms, jumping into the ocean. And many of them died. They were dying. They were running down the streets with all the houses around them on fire, bombs going off everywhere. And this is the kind of behavior that the United States have used throughout Africa and throughout the world. So when we say revolution, we mean the common people, the bare-feeted people, the no-shirt people, the ones that's been denied everything, coming together and building an army and taking their land back like they have done in China. Uh, one day we use our brain and our little gang brothers teach them in little schools and teach them how to make us a nuclear bomb where we can help hold them hold these people back off Africa because they got nuclear bombs and when somebody pointing a nuclear bomb at you, that means they got a gun, a weapon cocked at you. But when you get your nuclear bomb, you cock it back at them, that means they can't shoot theirs or you shoot yours because both of them will go off. But we, we, we are here and we don't have no protection. And the police departments and the judges and the and the jails and the prisons, they're built to oppress us and to hold us down and to hold us back and to keep everything from us. And that's what their job is. And so we have to create a climate and an environment what we began to do ourselves. And like you mentioned, the gangs, we have to meet with the gangs and let them know that they are sons and daughters and that uh, we want them to be our leaders and we're going to have to use them to be and make an army, to be, our, right. be soldiers. But how do you do that? Like how, because everything you're saying, it's like, I absolutely agree. And I feel like that should be happening. Mm-hmm. But at what, like, how? Like, where do you start? How do you get people who don't see what's going on because they're too cool, right? Mm-hmm. How do you get people that are too cool and trying to be cool to be conscious well, and to, like, just pay a little bit more attention? Because it's right in front of us, but yes. so many people can't see it. I understand. But see, that's why 
we have people like you that's hungry for this knowledge, and that's why you have me, and that's why you have a radio show like this. You're trying to give people that knowledge and wake them up, and that we have to begin to create people and people that's doing it, send them out and help them get out there, help them go to the people with this knowledge and information and teach them because I cheered and I hungry for it. The little brothers in the streets, I met with a little gang group the other day, two different <laughs> ones, and that uh, they were fine young men. They want to do stuff, but what the United States government do, the police departments, they put drugs out there on the kids and where they won't have no other income but selling marijuana that, right. or selling hard drugs. And that uh, they put that out there, and then they put guns out there. And for them to shoot each other and to keep us destabilized and to, and and to, to keep to us be, weak right. and confused. And also one of the tactics that they used they, uh, years ago, and they're still doing it, they ran the man out the house. They mm-hmm. de-manhooded de- the man, cut his balls out. Where he, he, one time he had a job, could work and all that. But now they don't use men for jobs and what have you. Are very minor jobs, and the woman that they use, they make the money because they have soft jobs mm-hmm. and what have you. And so the man, one time the man was the man of the family mm-hmm. and the strength of the family, not a woman. And they switched it and gave it to the woman, and now uh, and then they ran the man out the house and made it where most families won't have a man in their house. Little boys would grow up mm-hmm. without. Uh, uh, a man. Any guidance, any in a ma- structure, without right? Without a man, and that we a man in the house, the kids are mess with the man's tools, or uh, his rifle, or what have you. But when a woman's in the house, the same little boy might put a woman's high heels on, mm-hmm. and what have you. So they destroyed the man and woman. They destroyed the family structure, and they round up all the men and put them in the jails. And that's what we need to burn down all the jails and all the prisons and get our men and women and children out of them and let them come and, and make families and, and live among us. And we need to create, uh, uh, take over these schools and go in there and make it somewhere where our children will want to be right. and teach them the things that they need, need to, learn to learn that will right. help us make a revolution. We take... They want to learn, but who in the hell want to go to school and learn about Columbus, Lincoln, Washington, mm-hmm. and all that white garbage that you can't do nothing with? No way. <laughs> and that's why the smart children, they say, hell no, nah, I'm getting out of here. Right. And they leave school running. So were you one of, do you feel like you were one of the smart children? Because I saw that you didn't go to school after seventh grade. Hell yeah, I, I left. So you just stopped going after seventh grade? What's that, well, like they, 12, 13? Uh, 14, maybe 15, somewhere around there. <laughs> like, so you have not been back to school since? Well, I've been to different classes and mm-hmm. studied and did a lot and went around the you, world. I was about to say, you have definitely gone to the school of life. Because yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, your knowledge is extensive. Yeah, like. I, I like, I've studied in many colleges, go and hang out in the college and Go to classes and listen to teachers and learn. Dibble and dabble, yeah, right? Dibble and dab. I learn from a lot of people, and I talk to everybody. And because when you talk, the more people you talk to, the more knowledge you have. Because the people possess all the knowledge. Mm. So the more people you go around and talk to, the more knowledge you possess. Mm. But this colonial white man knowledge and all this history and lies and, and crap, right? And television <laughs> and crap that they give you, it, you you fly backwards. And you're like who you're supposed to hate and hate who you're supposed to love. 
and that that's why uh, mm, we need that was good right there. That's why we need our African history, and our African history will guide and direct us to our reconstruction because we've been totally destroyed, totally broke down, In every and made way. carbon copies of the slave master, made carbon copies of the white man, made carbon copies of the white woman, made to hate our nose, our lips, our skin, our hair. And they even made us hate Africa. They made us say, right, right. they made us think that Africa was nothing. Africa don't want you. Africa sold us to you and all that. But how could the white man buy it? We had the diamonds, the gold, the oil, the rubber, the zinc, the tea, the copper, the pearl, the cobalt, everything, the manganese. Everything. And they said, well, they got y'all drunk. How did they get us drunk? We had the best herb in the world. Marijuana or whatever you call it, African tobacco, grow wild in Africa. I just in South Africa, everybody got plants growing all <laughs> over the yards, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you can pick up a plant big as you and take it to everybody. Have a there's a kind of house near Everybody drinking herb tea and right. you know giving it to you. It's, it's Living nothing. Living off the land, they right? They off of you know marijuana is a medicine. Everybody enjoyed, happy. I was over there. I was so happy and drinking <laughs> my you know whatever down in Jamaica. Everybody got a handful of marijuana and you know out down there smoking and singing reggae song. I thought I was Bob Marley for a minute down there, <laughs> and so uh, we've been oppressed and we've been taught to hate ourselves and to hate Africa. And that's why we talk about Pan-Africanism. Pan-Africanism is the philosophy that all of us are Africans, no matter where you're born, whether mm -hmm. you're born in Jamaica, whether you're born in Atlanta, whether you're born in New York, whether you're born in the United States, whether you're born in somewhere in Europe, whether you're born in the Caribbean, uh, or West Indies somewhere, or South or Central America, or whether you're born in Africa itself. You are African, you belong to Africa, and you'll never be free no matter where you are until Africa is free. And what Pan-Africanism says, that all of us need to come together wherever we are in the world, all of us, and, and come with an ideology that will be an African ideology, where we all began to think and rebuild our women and children and let our women know that even though you're the most beautiful woman in the world, the most beautiful woman, we got them beautiful African lips, mm -hmm. got that beautiful African nose and that beautiful African skin, got that beautiful love, the African body. The only body in the world look just as good walking away from you as it do coming up to you. Mm. And that if uh, we had Africa liberated, we could walk up to you and give you a bouquet of Diamonds, not no damn flower, <laughs> but a bouquet, a bouquet of gold, a bouquet of diamonds. And this is what we want to move to. We want to give you the things that you deserve. You should have the finest house, the, f the free lights, mm -hmm. gas, water. All your children, should, the poor I hear, should be made doctors and engineers and chemistry and physics and building pyramids and building great nations like we were doing before the white man came or before the Arabs came. The Arabs are criminals too. They came and killed us and murdered us and raped us and they would kill the kill the men or either take the men and castrate them, cut his penis off, cut mm -hmm. his balls out and then make him a slave, and then they would go rape all the beautiful women. And the women were so beautiful, they said, oh, we got to have two, three wives. So you see, in their society, mm -hmm. they got two, three 
wires running around because you were so clueless. Deep. Yeah, they had to have you, and that's the kind of thing. But we as black men, as African men, and uh, we need to take back over our societies. We need to take back over our children, and we need to destroy all the things that hurt us, and that uh, the United States government hurt us. We destroy it. Hmm. Not the army and the prison industrial complex. We'll burn it down. So when's the first, the first instance being that? Well, for those of you listening, you may not know, but he is responsible for coining the phrase "black power." So what was the first time or the first incident where you used that? Like, was it premeditated or did it just come out or like, how did you come up with that? Well, we were fighting in so many different battles in Alabama, Mississippi, and they was killing, they lynched our brothers in SNCC. Chainis won and Goodman took them out and lynched them. They beat the hell out of Fannie Lou Hamer and and bomb churches and we face right, bombs, right. guns. And but we look at the general condition of our people uh all over this country and really worldwide, and we were all oppressed and they stand on our heads. And we realized that we need power to stop this. We need power to be able to get them off our heads and backs and and stop the exploitation of our people. And uh, when we talked about it, Kwame Two Race, Stokely Carmack and us, we said we need black power. Mm. And, and um, I was a spokesman in the field and I took it to the field. We need black power. <laughs> and we took black power to the field, all the Every black person in the world, as it rained out, black power, the cotton fields, people started going, wow, black power. Wow. In Greenwood, Mississippi, black power. Dr. King and them marching with us. They were saying, freedom now. All the people around them said, black power, black mm. power. And, 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 and we dominated for the first time. Dr. King saw himself being dominated. We took Dr. King to school. <laughs> we, I'm telling you, we walked from... Uh, Memphis, Tennessee to Jackson, Mississippi, 250 miles. Took us about 15 days. We were facing bombs and guns and violence and haters and all that. We went through all that. And we went and we set Mississippi on fire with black power. And we hit them with black power. As it rained out in black power, black power rained out in Mississippi. People heard it everywhere. And wherever they heard it, they started going to the streets fighting. They heard black power in Detroit. And they went out in the streets and burnt down the whole city. And they were saying, black power, uh, 50 people laying in the streets dead. The police round up 20,000 black people or more and round them up, just round them up and put them in jail, held them in jail because they're scared of black power. Detroit, mm. Newark, Watts, everywhere. Yeah, all the cities began to burn down. We had the whole United States on fire one time. And then they started <laughs> saying black power in the Caribbean, in the West Indies, mm. and in Africa. Wow. Down there they started saying black power in South Africa, and Angola, Mozambique. And they picked up guns, and they were shooting down the white man's airplane, shooting down their fighter plane, the jet plane. And they were farming armies, and they were black power power armies. Some of them said black power by saying Uhuru. Some of them say, either way to e Africa. Some of them say, uh, Pambari Shimaringa. And then some of them did with different uh, uh, slogans, but all of it meant black power. And this black power movement to start taking place all over the world. 
And then with black power, they said, we're going to take everything that the rich folks got and give it to the poor. Get rid of all the rich folks that got bees and trees. They ain't worth a shit. No way. They don't work. They ain't got no job. <laughs> they don't do nothing. All yeah. they do is like them brothers playing basketball. They go out there and play basketball all day. The pro players, they make a million dollars. And the man in the back in the corner making a hundred billion. Mm-hmm. hundreds of billions, but mm-hmm. they don't play no basketball. They don't do nothing. So why would you let somebody that don't play basketball take all the money? <laughs> and we got all these factories and industries that we work in. Why would we let all these folks in these industries have all the money and we do all the work? So what we said, we want socialism, scientific socialism. You go and get rid of everybody on the top in the company, and then all the people that run the company and do the work every day, they start running the company, and all the money come from it, build houses, lights, gas, water, food, and make it where people don't have to pay no light bill, gas bill, water bill like they did in Cuba. So so we need revolution. When we say revolution, we mean to overthrow the destruction of of these governments that's dominating us, and then we ain't getting a damn thing from it. Stop them from raping our our, our country, Africa. Study our history. Use our history and tell the truth to our people. Let people know that we're the greatest people in the world, and let people know that we're the strongest people in the world, and let people know that uh, we're going to unite with China. We're going to unite with Russia because Putin is a very good man. He was in Africa training all the black troops, giving them millions and billions of dollars to fight against apartheid, fight against the United States, fight against Europe. And and now Putin is a socialist nation, and they want to help take what the rich people got and give it to the poor. That's why they hate Putin in Africa. And there was a great leader named Paul Robeson. He said black people should never fight against Russia for the United States. And that was back in the 50s of and I'm saying that mm. today, we should never fight against Russia for the United States. We shouldn't fight against Iraq for the United States. Vietnam, Korea, or nowhere else in the world should we fight for the United States. Our fight is for Africa. Mm. And when we fight for Africa, we will be fighting the United States. Mm. So damn Putin. I mean, excuse me, Mr. Putin. Not I damn love Putin. You. Not damn no, Putin. We love you, Mr. Putin. <laughs> we love you, brother. We love you. Damn Biden, that faggot. Damn Biden. <laughs> damn uh, Hillary. Damn uh, 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 Bush and and all the rest of those uh, all the rest of those colonial people. Hello. <laughs> Call you back. Okay, and so I, what do you feel like is the difference between the consciousness of the movement when you were literally mm. like on the grounds front and center versus the consciousness of the movement now. Well, um, you're more conscious. You're more conscious. That's why you're sitting there talking about Africa, talking about revolution, talking about Russia, talking I'm about— I'm saying you feel like you're more—the movement now is more, more conscious? conscious? Yes, you're more conscious. All of us are more conscious, and we all see it. Everybody in this country, all especially Africans, we see that this country is the lowest thing that's ever happened to us. We know that we Africans. We know that our land is Africa. We ain't ashamed to be— Black, or quote black, uh, and what have you. We know that the Democrats and Republicans are a bunch of crooks, and we know much more now than we know before. But before, uh, the white man would say, go to the front of the bus. Now the white man tell you, go to the back of the bus. Now the white man tell you to go to the back of the bus. You whoop his ass, wouldn't you? 
That's what I'm talking about. So black people got more conscience today, but we need to organize that conscience into an army, into a liberation movement. That conscience needs to be organized. Now we see that the United States is, is, is the most violent and the greatest perpetrator of violence mm-hmm. in the world, the greatest mass murderer in the world. And we know what they have done to us, and we know and all of us know that they raped us out of Africa. All of us know that Africa is our land and what have you. And we know we're being exploited every day, all day long. We know that the television ain't nothing but a bunch of lies and phony people. And that's, so we have more conscience today than we ever had in our life. But it have to be organized. That's why they keep dropping drugs and guns mm-hmm. and all kind of other things out there to keep us confusing, breaking up the family and what have you, what have you, because they want to keep us confused. They don't want us to know the truth. Right. And that's why we have to tell the truth. And that's why I need all y'all to begin to help me get the truth out there. I would like to come for everybody that can hear my voice. I would like for you to get five people, three people, ten people, a hundred people together and let me come to your neighborhood, to your house, to your backyard, or under the tree somewhere. And let's talk <laughs> about what we're talking about now and let's get organized. Because we got to get organized. This is very critical. We got to round up our children and teach them and hug them and love them. And our women, too. And all the brothers, you got to not disrespect the girls. You got to respect them. Don't call the bitches, hoes, and all that old crazy stuff. Let them know they're African queens. They're princes. They are gods. And we can't live without them. And you know they're your god. You know you love them. And that uh, we need to respect our women. Don't let nothing turn you against the women. And the women shouldn't let nothing turn you against the men. Mm. And we should stop all that negative talk. And we should never think about shooting or killing or fighting another brother. Stop that dumb shit. <laughs> be nonviolent when it comes to your brothers and sisters. Right, you, right. That's when you be nonviolent. You, you, anytime you got a contradiction or a problem, we need to talk it out and not pick up guns and stuff like that. And if we hungry, many of us are hungry now, we need to just start growing gardens or just start cooking in mm-hmm. big pots in the backyard and anybody walk by, they can get a bowl of soup or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. But we're going to have to take care of each other and we're going to have to do it that way until we take over Africa and then we can give everybody a piece of gold and diamond <laughs> and what have you. But we, we got to have land. We need our land and uh, we need a, a socialist attitude, a communist attitude. And that attitude is the attitude that you take every richness and put it back where all the people will benefit from it. Let's raise the people, mm-hmm. not raise the individual. Because mm-hmm. raising the individual don't do us no good. Right. Hell, I can't spend it because they give Oprah me a billion dollars. When the hell that do good? That do me. Nothing. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that everybody uh, have like scarce water. Right, right. And that's what we think Cuba. Cuba took over their nation, took all the women down there when the United States had them out there prostituting and what have you. Cuba took over Cuba, gave them all uh, uh, the hotels that they prostituted in. They ran the Johns out, put them in jail, got rid of them, put them, sent them to the United States, told them, get the hell out of Cuba, brought the women into the hotel, said, you paid for this hotel with your bodies. Mm. And he made a school at the hotel, and the same women that was in there as prostitutes became doctors and scientists and engineers. Wow. And he gave, Eddie, to your children, I will give you free daycare nursery for your children. 
The house you live in, you will no longer have a rent man. Wow. That's your house. And then we will furnish you lights, gas, and water. And this is what Cuba done. And now in Cuba, it made so many doctors that all medicine is free. Wow. All hospital stays are free. Our education is free. That's so, crazy. So they bring kids mm-hmm. from all over the world, make doctors out of them, and then send them back. My son went down to Cuba. When he came back, he was a great doctor. Now he's working in the hospitals. He was working for Mohawk Medical School, matter of fact. That's where he started out. Wow. And uh, then when they sent him back, he was a doctor. And that's what Cuba doing. We need to round up these little gang boys and some of the children, uh, people mm-hmm. that can hear our voice. If you got young people that want to go to medical school, let's send them to Cuba. And, mm. and they can go to medical school free. Ain't no drugs down there. Ain't no guns down there for nobody to shoot and kill each other. And they don't do that. And Cuba is one of the most educated, knowledgeable countries in the world. And it's a socialist country. And they do everything for the people. That's why Castro, Fidel Castro, was perhaps the most loved human being on earth. And if it's any such thing as Jesus uh, Castro is Jesus reincarnated, mm. and Putin would be, uh, uh, I guess, Jesus reincarnated also. <laughs> and uh, Biden and and uh, Bush and Trump, they're the devil, mm. not reincarnated. They're the devil. <laughs> <laughs> but we need Africa. So how do you? Um, and this will be one of my last questions, um, so we can go ahead and wrap it up. But you spoke on so many different people that you were alongside with who are no longer here. How do you feel like you were able to survive? Um, and I know God, but I'm saying like seriously, with people literally dying to your left and to your right of you as you're as you're screaming black power and you're leading this movement, how are you still here? Like because you named a lot of names and they're unfortunately not here anymore. Mm. And here you are with so much knowledge, so much experience. And it's it's truly an honor to even be in your presence. But again, how did you dodge the bullets? Like, how did you heal your mind, heal your body, heal, heal your spirit, heal your soul? Um, well, I did uh, participate with a lot of people. I was in Birmingham when they bombed the church and killed the little children. Uh, I was part of Mississippi when they killed Cheney, Swan, and Goodman. Uh, I was uh, part of uh, Mississippi when they blew up Mr. Damon's house and burned him up in his house. Uh, when they killed Charlie McParker, uh, when they killed Mr. Uh, 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 Daniels in Lowndes County, or when they killed Bowles. And now, question. So. so- for instance, you said they bombed Mr. Who's house. That uh uh uh. You said they just yeah. they bombed somebody's yeah. house. So uh-huh. if they bomb Damon, Mr. Mr. Damon. Damon's house, right? So say for instance, they come, they bomb Mr. Damon's house. Were you guys not able to go and bomb their houses? Just I mean, because they were trying to kill you all anyway. They were hanging yeah. people anyway. So mm. why not go and bomb their homes? Just how you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. did that ever happen? Was that were you guys scared to do that? Like, why, why didn't you guys well, do at that? At that point, we were still using uh, nonviolent tactics. Tactics as far as we could use them, and that uh, we had to convince people that these people were evil and they were worthy of bombing and shooting back. Like if you start shooting back before P. 
people understand and educate to the point that they know these people are evil and they need to be shot and they need to be bombed back, then they would be on the other people's side pointing you out. Like if you go out and fight the enemy now, many people go out there and, and, mm. and be on the other side. So, we so have, you had to show people that these your people, people are evil, show course. black people yes. like be this is the true enemy and yes. this is the enemy because we aren't even doing anything yes. and this is how they're treating and us. And that's what we have to show the world. People, show the people what the United States is doing in the world. Like Malcolm said, you won't understand what they're doing in Mississippi or what they're doing in Alabama unless you understand what they're doing in the Congo, what they're doing in Afghanistan, what they're doing in Iraq, what they're doing in Syria, what they're doing in Libya, and what they're doing in Vietnam and, and around the world. And once you see that this is nothing but a murder and killing machine, imperialism, and it has killed, murdered, starved millions and millions of people to death like they're trying to do Cuba, like they're trying to do Viet, uh, uh, Zimbabwe, like they're trying to do uh, uh, Venezuela, like they're trying to do Nicaragua. They're not only dropping bombs, giving guns, creating killers, uh, 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 giving people mm-hmm. guns that's not part of government, help blow up governments and help assassinate leaders and president like they're doing in Mali right now. And once you begin to see what they're doing on a worldwide base, then you'll see that the United States is the, uh, uh, and imperialism is the evil monster. And then you'll be glad to see somebody fight them or blow them up or fight them back. And we have to educate our people because right now you have people thinking that Russia is bad or Mr. Putin mm-hmm. is bad. Or they told every lie they could tell on Saddam Hussein before they killed him. They told it had people, black people over there in the armies fighting and killing. Talking about that, you know, whatever they're fighting for. Uh, many people helped in Libya or uh, didn't cry out when they killed Gaddafi's family and a million other people dropped bombs in Libya mm. for years and killing thousands, and nobody said nothing. But when they show these little white women and white children in Ukraine, they want to be sad and pray and all this Mm -hmm. other bullshit. And but when they killing our <laughs> own people and killing their own kind, there's they ain't no saying remorse, a damn there's thing. No nothing, right. And Obama was a Uncle Tom, a uh, 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 Sambo that dropped more bombs on Africa and killed more black people than George Bush and the rest of them, and, and and Trump and all the rest of them. Obama was a shameful human being, and uh, he worked mm. for the United States government. He was the president of the United States. So if you if you the prayer. If you the devil in hell, whether you got black skin or white skin, you the devil in hell. Mm-hmm. So Obama was the devil for uh, 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 the United States government, and he went around the world killing and lying and undermining people and fooling the people here in the United States. Mm-hmm. So we need people that can go out and call these people out and let people know what they're doing. Let them, like Hillary Clinton just went to Haiti and stole, her and her husband stole $2 billion from the earthquake. $2 billion off the top. Took from the poorest people in the world, hungry people, because they're still fighting the people in Haiti for getting free 200 years ago. They're still punishing them and starving them uh, for getting poor when they had the mm-hmm. earthquake. And, and they needed help. People sent money. Hillary Clinton went down there and took $2 billion off the top. And nobody's saying nothing about it because that's what they do, steal, murder, and rob around the world. They rape the people of color. They rape the poor people all over the world, and and, and it's okay. 
And then they act like they're so concerned if a white man get his toenail hurt. Oh, it's a sad day. A white woman, mm. somebody looked at a white woman, oh, it's a sad day. And they want to get their armies together. But at the same time, they kill a million people in Iraq, million children in Iraq and in, in Libya. And they're dropping bombs on uh, uh, Yemen as we talk today. They're creating war in, in, in Ethiopia. They're dropping bombs and just tried to kill the president in, in, in Mali uh, a couple of days ago. And... And they got embargoes on Zimbabwe, causing everybody in the country to go hungry because they had a shortage of food in the United States, blocking them where they can't get food in the country and trade. Just like when you can't trade, that means you have shortage. Right now, the United States is going through a lot of shortages because the ships are locked up some kind of way and they can't get no cars because they can't, uh, 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 the country in China, not China, but, uh, one of those countries over there, they uh, trade with them. And, right. And they had a problem with uh, uh, some uh, the stuff that go in the car to make it run, and that factory burnt down, so now they can't get the uh, material to put in the car to make it run even after they make it. I forgot what it's called. Mm-hmm. And that uh, so when you can't trade, that means you, you can't get things. Like when, right. you, when you drink a cup of coffee, you're trading with the world. Sugar might have came from one part of the world. Mm-hmm. The coffee came from one part of the world. The Goo honey, in one part the of cup, the world. The, the honey came yeah. from one part of the world. The cup made in one part of the world. But when they blocking you and you can't trade with nobody, that means you had a shortage of everything in the country and you go hungry. You can't get medicine and, and all the different things you need. And that's what the United States do. And when they do that, they cause millions of people to die in those countries. So these people are evil, evil. United mm. States, Democrat, Republicans, all of them are evil. And we should not look to none of these white people for guidance and direction. We know that they're the enemy and that we have to fight them. We have to fight for Africa. We need our own land, our own country, our own nation, and we need to teach our own history. And we need all y'all that can hear my voice <laughs> to bring me in your neighborhood and let me talk. And my name is Mukasa Dada. And now again, I saw many people die and buried, not just here in the United States. I saw them kill Lumumba in the Congo and then put them in acid. They killed Che Guevara in 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 in, in South America, and uh, uh, I think in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to kill Fidel Castro over 90 times. They tried to kill Muammar Gaddafi. Over 90 times? Over 90 times. Cigars, food, whatever they could give them. So but, then in that case, if you are attempting to tell the truth and you have this long list of leaders who have tried to liberate... And they have m- killed many, mi- many. So why would someone realistically say, you know what, I'm going to try to liberate my people I'm I'm gonna try to do it knowing that you're nine times out of ten gonna get killed but you're gonna die anyway so if you know you're gonna die why, why not, not die choose? for something yeah. right if your modern king said man ain't found something worth dying for ain't worth living and yeah. your people your children your history your culture your identity uh, it's worth dying for to feed, clothe, and, and, and get these white folks and get America off your head, get imperialism off your neck. 
is worth dying for. Mm-hmm. And all the people that fight don't die. Like I have escaped them. And there right. are many, many, many right. out there have escaped them and continue to escape them and building armies every day. So many, a few out there fight until they get old and die. And then many, they glad they die. And some mm. people uh, rushed to die. I saw a little girl on television not long ago. She went down. She was in Palestine. And you know that the Zionists went to Jews. Uh, Zionists went to Palestine, killed the Palestinian, and took their land and named it Israel. Mm. And then they committed genocide on all the Palestinian people. And today they have killed millions of them, and then ran all of them, most of them off the land, and they have taken all the land and left the Palestinian little land where they got them so tight, so jammed up, their space for 50,000, they got two or three million living in that space. Wow. And they, and they drop bombs in there and all that, but Israel is all around, and every day they take more of the Palestinians' land, and they control everything, and they don't allow nobody to use the word Palestine no more. They wipe them off the face of the earth, just like they don't use the word Indians no more after they don't kill most of, so many of them. They wipe them off the face of the earth, and the Palestinians are fighting. They got a Palestinian liberation movement, and it's fighting every day. Mm. And one little girl, I think she was 18 years old, she was going to college there, and uh, and she lived in, in in the part they call Israel, and she was in college. And one day she went to college, and folks, she went to college that day, oh, last week. Her and her parents got together, and she took a portrait of herself with the great leader, Che Guevara. And then she went to school the, uh, days after that, and it's a beautiful portrait. And she went, and her mom and them told her goodbye. And she went to school, and she went in the cafeteria and got among all them Jews that's taking their land, and she exploded. Woo! Into a big ball of fire. And she took a bunch of them out. But she willingly died and uh, for her people. So many people gladly die for the liberation. Mm, so of she people. was a Palestinian. A Palestinian. And she went to school the, where the Jews were. Yes, and stood in the middle of them. Wow. And blew herself up. And she's a hero. And they loved her for it. And This was the other day? No, not the other day. But oh, you're just saying this is just a past story. Something they did. Oh, and then okay. I, I know in the Vietnam, they wow. were fighting a war and they had to fight it different ways. Beautiful girls like you, the American soldiers, they go there, oh, they got to have them. And they want him. And this general, he wanted this girl. She worked with him. And he was trying to hit on her, patting her on the butt. And he just begging her. And one day she called him on the phone and said, you really want me? He said, yes. She said, come on over. And he walked in the house. She was playing soft music. And uh, she dressed nice, you know, sexy. He, you know, he took his mm-hmm. gun off, took his clothes Got comfortable. off. And looked, you know, all that, getting mm-hmm. ready. And out the closet, her friends stepped out with their machine gun, wow. and, and wiped them out. And uh, that was in, I don't know if I You said you. Vietnam. No, that, that was in uh, Nicaragua. Wow. In Nicaragua. That story. And Vietnam, they would go out and want the women, and all the soldiers would be having a relationship with the women, and women would go and put razor blades in their vagina. Oh. And when the soldier would have sex with them and go inside, they would squeeze, and when he snatched back, it would be gone. And that uh, that was a weapon of fighting, too. What? 
What? But yeah, the women play different roles, and then women whoa, women can step behind the lines with bombs because they look so good and just walk right by, and they would leave bombs in like um, Algeria. They walk into a restaurant looking good, sit down next to the uh, mm-hmm. the soldiers, the European and soldiers, bombs. and leave a bomb in the in the bag that they left in there. And when they walk out, they look back. The whole building is blowing up. So wow. uh, uh, women play a major role in the revolution. And our revolution, if they're going to be carried out or any success that we are going to have, women have to play a special role and a leading role and, and an important role. Because when the women tell us to fight, men and women and the ch- children, when women say fight, we're going to fight. Mm-hmm. So when the- <laughs> yeah, so we have to we have to prepare for revolution. And now, yes, I did see a lot of people die and whatever. I buried people. I even ate lunch with Dr. King the day they killed him. And Arthur wow. Langford, you heard Arthur Langford. Mm-hmm. Arthur Langford and I. Uh, Is that Langford Parkway? That's yes. who that's named. Okay, my mom stays off of Langford yeah, Parkway. And okay, that, and that well, his that was yeah Arthur Langford, and that me and he the reason they named after him. He uh, me and him got shot by a white uh, uh, hospital owner. It used to be Southwest Hospital. And they changed name from, it was Holy Family first. And they all the hospitals in Georgia, or probably across the South, didn't allow black doctors to go in them. And they didn't allow black nurses to head a station over a white woman. So we protested that. And we protested that the security and the own run man who run the hospital came out one day and shot and started shooting. Shot me in the stomach and mm. shot Arthur Langford in the chest. And that uh, mm. they had big trials and all white jurors and they let them go. But... Uh, uh, that led mm. to the integration mm. and doctors being able to work in hospitals here. But uh, we wow. have, and so many people have died, and I have just been one of the lucky ones to be able to bury so many of my soldiers, to bury Dr. King. And I ate lunch with him. He bought me a, a, a breakfast the morning he left here to go uh, to Memphis. And, wow. And I ate lunch, with, ate lunch with him that morning. He bought me breakfast. And I remember what we ate, all that kind of stuff. But I've been. Does a- that hmm. do you think about that often? No, like- because I don't believe that uh, in death and all that. I just know that we fight and have friends and brothers until they die, and that's good. I'm proud of them. And then you just keep going. And so those brothers and sisters that I fought with. They're still there as far as I'm concerned, the memories and what they did and all that. And I meet new people, new soldiers every day, and they're being born. And now I'm here with you that's uh, pushing revolution, that's educating our people, y'all teaching our people, and uh, that's all good. So every day there will be new soldiers, and I meet new soldiers every day, and Mm -hmm. I'm very happy about it, young and old children. All of them never reject what I'm telling them, and that. Uh, uh, so I'm very happy uh, uh, about that. I don't think about that. I think about tomorrow mm-hmm. because I know that the unwinding future is always greater than the wilderness past. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. This was this was an, an amazing interview. Thank you so much, Mr. Yeah. Mukasa Dada. Da, da. Brother Mukasa. Brother Mukasa yeah. Dada. Mukasa Dada. And that uh, <laughs> uh, if any of y'all want to go to medical school, you can. Uh, <laughs> it's a website called IFCO, I-F-C-O News 
Health.org. If you, you know, got to go to college on level and get some biology and chemistry. And once you get biology, chemistry, and anatomy, you can go straight to medical school without a degree. You won't have to take the MCAT or nothing. And Cuba got the best medical schools in the world. And if you want to check me out, you can go on the internet and look me up, Mukasa Dada, M-U-K-A-S-A-D-A-D-A, and you uh, see a lot of my history. And uh, the SENCC with SNCC, that was a great organization of the 60s, or there's some revolutionary organizations, uh, All African People's Revolutionary Party, AAPRP, AAPRPGC, that's another great movement called the Uhuru Movement, U-H-U-R-U, movement and you uh, see that and for women there's a pan-african woman's revolutionary union and you see women struggling and fighting from all over the world you should look that up and that uh but we should get as conscious as we can and learn as much as we can and prepare to fight and that uh again i want y'all to call men and let me know uh, when you're ready for me to come in your neighborhood, talk to the gangs and all that. Because y'all, your brother ain't got no gang. Them ain't no gang. <laughs> if you had a gang, you would let the brink truck come through your neighborhood with all that money. You don't get it. Right. Now, if, I see, <laughs> if I see if I see, one of y'all uh, riding and the brink truck come through there and then I see uh, y'all riding through there, somebody waving their blue flag or their red flag, whatever some of y'all got, then I said, that's a game. But if you shooting at each other and doing crazy, you ain't no game. You're just something stupid. <laughs> and, that, uh, and come on, join this army and take Malcolm X and Marcus Garvin, Martin King and Black Panthers take their place because y'all are our leaders and we don't want y'all fighting and killing each other and all that. We don't need that. And that's what I mean by nonviolent. You got to love each other and what have you and stop fighting among yourselves and whatever. But don't fight the women, whatever you do. Don't fight the women. <laughs> Thank you and, so, so, so and much. love the children. And all y'all uh, get them little girls pregnant. I know what y'all doing out there, but you get <laughs> pregnant when you do it. And when you do it, take care of the children. Be a good little daddy. You know, help the child, feed them, whatever, <laughs> guide them, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I ain't tell you not to, you girls and boys, everybody going to do this. But uh, love each other and help each other. And, and let us do that together. And that's what I mean by unity. And that's why I want y'all to help us take Africa back. And that's called Pan-Africanism. The total liberation and unification of Africa under and all Africa. We can get rid of everybody in Africa. Get rid of all of them. <laughs> under all African socialist government. We want socialism because socialism take everything these store owners got, everything them business got, everything the factories got, everything the old Trump got, everything all them crackers got. Take it back and give it to you because it belongs to you. You're supposed to be rich. And if you're poor, that means the crackers messing over you. You need to fight. You need to get conscious. You need to help us make revolution. So again, mm, black, power, black power, black power, black power. Africa must be free. Africa must be free. Africa must unite. Long live Africa. Long live the African woman. Thank y'all Africans. Thank you so, 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 so much. This was another great episode of Cool and Conscious. Make sure you follow us on social media and catch us next Friday.